It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Tuesday, July 24th, just a couple days ahead of the LA Galaxy's El Trafico traveling to Bank of California Stadium to take on LAFC on Thursday night, July 26th. We're obviously going to preview that game, but we got to talk about the game that just happened as well. The LA Galaxy 3-1 victors over the Philadelphia Union and sideways rain and damp field conditions and after giving up the first goal, something that they uh, tend to do on a regular basis, uh, but have once again survived it. So uh, a lot of fun things to talk about as we get you ready for the uh, the big rivalry game coming up on Thursday. But really the big news here is that uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter is back in the United States. Uh, Panda and Pato have once again been reunited. Kevin, uh, how are you feeling there, buddy? I am not doing well. I got Putin's revenge. I mean, I got something over there, some kind of virus. It has now been, we are uh, day 25 of my lungs being held hostage by some sort of virus. So um, happy to be back in the U.S. of A., but uh, not feeling really well being here. I was I was gonna say it's a uh, it's a it's a subdued and I play this because we haven't played it in so long. But the subdued Panda and Pato a little bit today. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato, 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 and Panda. Panda in the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. All right, that was fun. I, I, just as a quick reminder, I, we don't get to play that very often. And I love the complaints that we get when we when we play it, Kevin. So quite honestly, I should probably play it a lot more. Um, but just, just a quick reminder, if you head on over to uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com and you click on the shop button right now, we have three Corner of the Galaxy t-shirts we've ever released, uh, two of them sort of with the Corner of the Galaxy logo on them, um, and then, of course, you have the one with it, which is the uh, the Lion of Los Angeles t-shirt that's out there as well. I would encourage and implore everyone to uh, to head on over because we reopened those campaigns. They're here for a very limited time because I got some people who said, hey, we missed out on it, we didn't get it, or if you're looking to order more in different colors, any of that stuff. So if you go there, all three of the campaigns are open. If one or two or three shirts get ordered, ordered in any of them, they'll ship and, and put out. So head on over, cornerofthegalaxy.com, uh, and click on the shop button. Uh, very simple, and you can scroll down and find the three t-shirts that we have there. And this, of course, is will all lead up in the next couple of weeks to uh, to the release of our uh, our Panda and Pato t-shirt. We've been we've been working on it there, Kevin. Uh, I think it's finally time to unleash the uh, the design on the people. Unleash the bear, yeah. We, we have been talking about this, and, and as I struggle to regain my panda-like exuberance um as that comes along we can get those t-shirts ready and then i will show you on well maybe even thursday you're gonna be at the game thursday i will show you the panda nesting doll that i purchased in russia at the world cup and maybe we could do a little photo campaign to kick off the t-shirt with the panda nesting doll i, th- I think that might be a good idea so we'll uh, we'll try to plan that and yes i will be at the uh, the game at uh, bank of california stadium kevin will be there larry morgan from cog will be there as well so we have a uh, a full crew that will all be paying attention and uh, and watching that game uh, live there as it goes and again we apologize for it not being on monday um, but i'm lazy it was my birthday kevin and i didn't want to record and uh, that was really about it 
Yeah, well, you're you're entitled to a break, but you you may have overstepped a little bit when you say we're all going to be paying attention. Don't ever assume that I'm paying attention at any of the games I'm at. I, I, was, I may be there, but I may not be paying attention. I understand. Okay, so yes, I did oversell that one a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about this Galaxy game. 3-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. Wet and windy Philadelphia. Um, I know fans that traveled to this game, Kevin, uh, did not exactly enjoy it all that much uh, due to the wet conditions. I know people who are watching this game, whether you're watching on your phone or watching on Spectrum Sportsnet, uh, was always in need of having the camera lens wiped off. I don't know why nobody could seem to get to that camera lens being wiped off, Kevin. But for for the most part, I would say that this game was played through the wind, through the rain, and the LA Galaxy uh, came out victorious despite having a very poor first half for them. So, uh, well, so you know what? Yeah. They, they've proven to be real mutters, though, because I was at the game in Chicago, which was way – I don't care how bad it was in Philadelphia. It was way worse in Chicago, and I, I think the announcers talked about that a little bit, that the, the wind chill wasn't there in Philadelphia. The conditions right. were horrible, but the wind chill in Philadelphia – was bone numbing, but they won that game one to nothing. Remember that was the wind blown goal from Ibrahimovic on the header and right. first half stoppage time. Then they went in Philadelphia. So there are perfect six points for six points in uh, rainy, horrible weather conditions. I can't think of another game they've played in. I, maybe in Portland, they had some weather problems, but nothing like those two games. And those are the two toughest games they've played as far as weather. And they won both. Yeah, Eric. On the, the road. On the road. On the road, both of them. Yeah. Well, that's because it never rains in Southern California. Um, Eric, the uh, Portuguese hammer, our, uh, our co-host sometimes on Thursday nights, said uh, that he was leading a platoon over to Bank of California Stadium to flood that field immediately uh, because he thought the Galaxy played better on the on the flood-soaked uh, grass there of uh, Talon Energy Stadium in Philadelphia. Um, but, you know, all joking aside, the Galaxy played well in the second half, not so much in the first half, Kevin. Uh, they were without Ashley Cole, who was suspended because of a red card. They were out uh, w without uh, Parrot Kitchen, who was suspended because of yellow card accumulation. Siggy Schmidt put out a lineup that I think he thought would be competitive against Philadelphia, and what instead we found in the very first half is that uh, that Philadelphia was very adept at attacking Hilliard Arce, so much so, in fact, that uh, that Hilliard Arce was subbed at halftime, and really the, the precursor for the turnaround was Ramon Alessandrini, who has been on the bench on and off here, Kevin. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini came off the bench, um, and really put in a man-of-the-match performance for the LA Galaxy. Nobody deserved it more than him. But he does not like that role on the bench, and it's going to be interesting to see this going forward. You know, Boateng does not like coming off the bench either, and he's been very adamant about that, but he does it. He knows, understands that's his role. I, I think, and Ziggy talked about it at training today. Ziggy talked a little bit about how he has 15 starters, and as people come back, some people are going to have to sit on the bench. And no, he doesn't and envision Alessandrini as a bench player, he doesn't see him as a super sub. It just so happens that with the lineups he's putting out, that's where he winds up right now. But it's going to be interesting. Alessandrini wants to start as does Boateng. Boateng seems to me that he is adapted to whatever his role is, is going to be. It, and, and, and Alessandrini is not – I don't – well, I, 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 sh I shouldn't say this. I don't understand him to be complaining openly. But when he's asked, he makes it very clear he doesn't like this role. And – Will this be? Will this become a divisive thing? Obviously, it's working. It's succeeding. He's he arguably won a couple of games off the bench here, just in this last little hot stretch for the Galaxy. Will he accept that role because the team is winning, or does he feel like he can make more of a contribution? And does he want to be in that starting lineup? And how how much is it an ego thing with him to actually be in the first eleven? Well, I mean, you have a designated player. I think the last thing you want to do is have a designated player not be playing all of the available minutes that, that are to him. So, I mean, 
that's certainly one of the questions. The other thing that that sort of says, and you, and you you keyed off on it perfectly, Kevin, is that it's working right now. Um, I think that this was a motivational thing, and I think it has been. You you listen to Siggy Schmidt talking about Alison Drini playing defense, and every time he talks about Alison Drini, he's he's thankful for the offense that he's getting from him and he sees that he's making a difference but he's preaching and 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 praising the defensive effort of Ramon Alessandrini and if you look at how these lineups have been set up in the past uh Siggy Schmidt has has even detailed it as a cockeyed 352 um, with Chris Pontius sort of being the swingman and Ashley Cole coming out of the back and filling into the midfield but it, it doesn't make it a, a lopsided 352 when you play it that way for the first time against Philadelphia, Roman Alessandrini comes in. Chris Pontius is on the other side. You finally had a balanced 3-5-2, Kevin, and the only reason you could do that was because Ashley Cole wasn't there. You pulled Hillier Arce. You moved Romney back. You didn't have to play all the defenders that you normally have to play in this sort of you know makeshift 3-5-2. So with Cole gone, they were afforded the ability to go after it in the second half. It was the right move to make, and, and quite honestly... I have people who are sitting there saying that, oh, they always should have started Allison Drini and that Siggy was stupid for not starting him, and that should have been the lineup that, that went everything, that, that should have gone that way. That's how they should have started against Philadelphia. And I'd counter that I think that in the past, Siggy Schmidt has been done two things with Roman Allison Drini. He has motivated them to play defense by putting him on the bench and preaching that he has to play defense when he comes in. And two is that he's managed minutes, Kevin. You and I talked all last year about Roman Alessandrini running himself into the ground. And I think when you look at it, you can see that, you know, his game overall suffered last year because of that. Maybe he wasn't as successful as he could have been. You're talking about the guy who had, what, 13 goals and 12 assists last year uh, for the LA Galaxy. So, he certainly had an impact on the team, but how much of how much did he run out of gas towards the end of the year? Um, so I think what you're seeing in a busy schedule time with multiple long-distance trips that Siggy Schmidt has managed Allison Drini's minutes, one, and two, he's motivated him to play defense. And if that ends up paying dividends off towards the end of this season, down the stretch, especially now as the Galaxy are now on a seven-game unbeaten streak, um, have you know playing some of their best soccer of the year, although you'd certainly argue that they've gotten lucky in some of these wins as well, but they're starting to put things together. The confidence is starting to grow. So if Siggy Schmidt is doing what he is by motivating Allison Drini, Kevin, you know, I think it works, and I think you have to give Siggy Schmidt credit for it right now and wonder how long he can continue to go down this path with Alessandrini. Like you said, is it going to eventually be a problem? Has it already become a problem? People have been pointing out, Kevin, that perhaps Alessandrini isn't celebrating with the rest of the team whenever uh, others have scored goals. Um so it's a it's something to watch, but right now I think what you're seeing from the Galaxy, what you're seeing from Siggy Schmidt is that every all the strings he's pulling with Roman seem to be working so far. Well, I think you're right, and and, and Allison Dooney's always impressed me as one guy who has a little bit of the Robbie Keane in him. Um, you know, he is a good player, and I, I'm not going to say he's selfish, but I wouldn't say he's the biggest team player out there either. I'll, you know, he wants a lot of the things to go through him. Uh, you know, he's always trying to beat referees and argue with referees. So I can understand, uh, you know, maybe his lack of enthusiasm with wanting to celebrate with his teammates, even when he's, you know, helps contributes to a goal off the bench. A couple of things about Ziggy, though, because he comes in for a lot of criticism when things don't go right. I think he's done pretty well. His, You're right. His motivation with Alessandrini, I think, has been spot on. But the other thing that he's done with going to with this three-man back line since Felcher went down, I think 
despite the fact the Galaxy spent so much on their defenders, more than any other team in the league, I don't think they got the depth that they thought they were going to have. I don't think they've uh, um, felt like uh, they had the interchangeable parts they had. So, you know, with Felcher out and then and then with Ashley Cole out, or, and even before that, I think Ziggy's really used his personnel wisely. Dave Romney may not be the greatest outside back, but as this kind of swing guy, as a winger, um, sometimes dropping back into a five-man back line, sometimes moving forward as a midfielder, and you know when they go with the three-five-two, I think that really plays well to his um, versatility. He may be a guy who's not great at either at either position solely, but as a good swingman, can go from one to the other. Ashley, when he's in there, can do that. I think you you may see that change back when Felcher comes back, and and apparently they're waiting for a doctor's clearance, and he may be able to to get back into the mix as early as next week. So we may see that changing. But I think Ziggy's done a good job with using the personnel that he has. And he talked about how what he wants right now is his goal is for the team to get better every week. And he said as he's getting players back, he again, he believes he has 15 starters. And you can only start 11. But he said where those 15 starters really come in is those guys compete with one another on the training pitch to get that playing time. And that helps everybody. That keeps everybody on their toes. Uh, there is a competition. Nothing is set. Uh, we saw that during the Bruce Arena years where some guys, especially Omar Gonzalez for one, got very complacent with their starting jobs and stopped competing in practice. You don't have that problem now, especially in the midfield. I think Ziggy's done a good job of engendering that. Um, you, you know, He said he wants his team to be getting better and better every week and, and not to peak until the end of the season. Why peak now when you've still got, you know, 14 games to go? And the last thing I wanted to say about the defense is um, don't give up on Hilliard Arce. I, um, you remember a highly touted college defender the Galaxy had several years ago under Bruce Arena, Tommy Meyer, came in. And one thing, Tommy was a big guy and he was very physical, but he didn't play physically. He, he, from what I recall, especially early in his career, he was very tentative. And Omar Gonzalez was one that always used to have to sort of stand up for him with opponents and try to light a fire under Tommy Meyer and get him to be a little more um, uh, active and physical. Um, if Hilliard Arce had a problem this weekend, it was that he was too physical. And you could see he was really on the ver- on the edge of getting the yellow card a couple of times early in that match. And Ziggy was right to bring him out. But my point would be don't give up on him because he, if he's making a mistake, he's being maybe a little too overzealous. And and uh, I think I'd rather have my defenders be a little more physical than a little less physical. Be, be, being tentative is the last thing you want for, for a defender. So Hilliard Arce has a lot of rough edges, but I wouldn't give up on him just yet. No, I, and I don't think. I think the position that he's being put in on that right-hand side in a three-man back line, because Romney was the swing guy on the left side, uh, sort of playing the Ashley Cole position without uh, Ashley Cole being there, uh, I, I didn't think it suited him. Plus, it puts him with Siani. Listen, I, I know Michael Ciani scored a goal in this game, and I know that he made Team of the Week, and I certainly think that he had an okay game. I don't think it was monumental. A lot of his defensive clearances were emergency defending. Uh, the man doesn't seem to be able to actually anticipate um, any of the stuff that any of the things that, that go on uh, on the field. He's constantly reactive, and his header that, granted, he was running back and making an emergency dive was the one that ended up leading to the goal um, that that uh, Philadelphia scored on him. So I think there's all that. I think that pairing Hilliard Arce next to Siani is never something that's going to work. Um, I think that Romney does a better job with Siani only because Romney's a little bit smarter with the angles. I think if Hilliard Arce comes into a four-man back line and plays 
in the center or plays out on the right-hand side, I think he's a much better defender um, than what he showed. And, and really, it was the speed on the outside that was the problem. And the Galaxy have this problem across every facet of their game um, with you know speed being an issue on the outside. I think it's one of the things that's going to be very well apparent and evident whenever they play against LAFC coming up on Thursday, um, that speed on the outside is going to kill them. If you can pull Perry Kitchen out of the midfield, if you can pull Jonathan Dos Santos, who sometimes just pulls himself out of the midfield, uh, if you can do those things then the Galaxy defense is a, is a brittle, breakable thing, um, and Siani certainly isn't strong enough to stand up to most of these challenges. I think the real question, though, comes up on Thursday, Kevin, is you know how do they integrate Ashley Cole back into the lineup? Because if you do, you can't play a balanced 3-5-2 again. So does that mean Alessandrini is you know on the bench again? And is that really something that you want to see from from Siggy Schmidt is this continued reliance on Alison Drini, as we were talking about, coming off the bench. Now, he he makes the he changes the game when he comes in, Kevin. I think that's great. And it is, again, managing his minutes, but, you know, the shape of this LA Galaxy team right now is is fragile. Um, I think the, the lopsided or cockeyed 3-5-2 doesn't do them as, as much of a... I think it does them a disservice. I don't think it helps them out in a whole bunch of ways. And relying on Chris Pontius to be the guy who runs up and down the field constantly is one of those, th- one of those things that is, is bound to eventually wear out. And so is Allison Drini really a starter for Chris Pontius? I mean, these are the things that you see in Philadelphia. You see Hilliard Arce struggle next to Siani. You see Siani, quite honestly, struggle a little bit. Um, you know, I'm just not sold on his uh, his team of the week uh, addition there. And and granted, he got a goal. That's great. Um, he was also wide open. Nobody decided to mark him. So I would hope he would score from there. Um, so all the things that you're seeing from the Galaxy defense against Philadelphia aren't necessarily things that you can take against LAFC. And so I, I think that in the Philadelphia game, it was great. It worked. Um, I would say that uh, Giovanni Dos Santos had a poor game. I would say that Jonathan Dos Santos in the first half had a horrible game. Uh, Servando Carrasco was left on an island in the first half, which is why Carrasco was so bad uh, in the first half. And then, uh, you know, Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos started getting around on his defenders or, or on the attackers. He started forcing the ball. Um, you know, out to other people. And so once he sort of put a stamp on his game, that calmed down the defense, and it really allowed the offense to then flourish a little bit. But if you look at that game, Kevin, especially in the second half, I mean, you don't see a bunch of Giovanni Dos Santos, which has been, a, you know, a, a, a sort of a calling card of his for most of his time with the Galaxy is where did uh, where did Giovanni Dos Santos go? But again, it's a Galaxy team that in the right formation with Pontius and Romney um, and Kamara and Ibrahimovic, um, who I thought played so well together in the Philadelphia game in that second half, Kamara and Ibrahimovic seem to be figuring it out. But they're a dangerous team when you stack all those names against each other. It's just you're not getting great performances out of the center of the field right now, and I think that that could, be, uh, could still be a problem. All the winning aside, winning hides a bunch of things, Kevin. Um, but I think that the winning right now has sort of made Galaxy fans think that this team isn't doesn't still have a bunch of problems, and and they do. They have a bunch of problems still. Well, Ziggy again was still singing the the same song that we've heard all year about how Gio and Jonathan are getting better and give them time and and you know how much time do they get? And you know it was before it was the World Cup. Now the World Cup's over, and so now they're getting readjusted and. And Ziggy said he saw some good things from Gio, but not enough. Um, with the competition for playing time in that midfield, and as we talked about, 
Here comes Leggett back. He's apparently trained fully this week and is ready to go. We already can't get Alessandrini on the field, yet the Tudo Santos brothers are in there. And again, Gio does play a different position. He fills a different role right now than, well, Leggett could probably fill that role. But um, it's not necessarily apples to apples when you compare the, the playing time. But if the Dos Santos brothers aren't performing and there's guys that are performing that are starting the game on the bench, I think that's maybe where some of the friction uh, would come from. So it it, it really is uh, – it, it behooves the Dos Santos brothers to, to really start to pick it up a little bit here. It, But, I, you know, Pontius, you talk about Pontius versus Alessandrini. Yes, Alessandrini has played really well off the bench. Um, and he seems to have filled that role whether he likes it or not. Pontius has played well, playing well. Um, I, I don't take him out right now. I, you know, I, I think he stays – I think he's earned – uh, at least another start. And when you talk about whether they're going to stay with the three-man or four-man back line, we're talking about Philadelphia Union um, versus LAFC. LAFC has, and I've seen them uh, uh, quite a bit in person this year, they have so many attacking weapons. They are so diverse, and they are so creative up front. And they come at you in different ways. Vela that does one thing. Mark Anthony K does something else. Diomandi, uh, you know, the new guy, he does something else. Um, uh, Urania does something else. Diego Rossi, they come at you in so many different ways from so many different directions. Um, the, the, I, I do see a different galaxy. If they go with the three-man back line against this, um, against this team, I think that would be a huge mistake. So I think you're going to see a much more of a kind of traditional four-man back line, probably with one, maybe even two midfielders sort of assigned to be holding midfielders, and the galaxy offense may then come on the counterattack. Yeah, I mean, I think the counterattack works well for the Galaxy. They're not good in possession, um, as as I've, I've pointed out many times. Uh, I don't think that Siggy Schmidt's going to drop back and play four in the back. I think that's too much of a departure from how the Galaxy have been playing well over the unbeaten streak. Um, but what I do think you could see is it being a lot more conservative, which means that Ashley Cole's in the starting lineup, which certainly gives them then a chance to defend in a 4-4-2, um, if not a uh, an attack in a 3-5-2. I think that still makes sense. Um, I could even see them making sure that they, uh, they plant Perry Kitchen directly in front of that back line and not letting him really unhinge and get forward um so you know you say a four-man back line it's still going to be Ashley Cole probably listed in a midfielder spot Kevin but he'll he might drop back more and sit in that four-man back line more than anything with Dave Romney out on the right hand side um which again if that happens I think that means that Alessandrini is coming off the bench again um I don't think that it's something that the uh the Galaxy can afford to mess around with you might decide that you want to bring Pontius in off the bench maybe that's it maybe Pontius has had so many minutes that you want to give him a breather, and so Allison Trini gets a start. I can see that swap being sort of taking place, but I don't see the Galaxy uh, altering very much from this 3-5-2 formation for the rest of the year. Um, again, with Felcher coming back, maybe that does add some some different things in there, or maybe the Felcher just sl- slots in for Dave Romney, and that's the answer, and it's still a 3-5-2. But the Galaxy have been conservative on defense for a while, the 352 actually allows them to be super conservative when they want to be, uh, and any three becomes a five, uh, as my good friend Christian Miles says. So that three or that five-man back line really does uh, give them the added depth and, and sort of the added movement. But you can see it go wrong, and when it goes wrong, Kevin, you, you saw exactly what happened against Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, th- well, they that could is. Get, they, I mean, the, the, again, you know, I, I don't want to come off as an LAFC honk. I'm an independent journalist who happens to watch both teams, but. 
I've really been impressed by Bob Bradley's approach. And these guys are fast. I mean, Galaxy are going to have to be uh, aware of what's going on. The one thing the Galaxy, I think, with this particular form, you know, uh, grouping they have now is they don't have a lot of speed at the back. Um, they have some players with decent pace, but but they haven't seen anything like the you know they have seen Atlanta with has some some good fast players, but not the the sheer numbers of three, four, five guys at a time that you know have a near sprinter speed coming forward. Um, and if the Galaxy get caught, um, it, you know it, it that the scoreboard could get lit up really quick. And I just I I, I don't want to see the Galaxy hang back and play defensive and and not push forward, but. It just seems to me that the, their best approach in this game is maybe, as you, and that you, you're right, you don't want to break up a winning formula, but maybe to be a little more conservative and play with the counterattack. And they, they can play with the counterattack. You know, we know that Ebra is not going to come across the midfield stripe very often, so he's going to be up around midfield. Hey, a turnover in the box, a long pass. We've seen him score from 40 yards against LAFC before. Um, you know, it, it. I think the Galaxy's best approach is to try to win one to nothing or two to two to one if they get in a shootout with LAFC on on that slick turf over at Bank of California Stadium. Uh, it could get one sided really quick. Now, I could. I mean, obviously, uh, as Dom Dwyer will tell you, I can be totally wrong on this, but but uh, I, LAFC just has so many weapons that the Galaxy. With the way their defense has struggled lately, I, th- I think they really need to be at the top of their game. Well, I mean, they won't be at the top of their The Galaxy defense has not been playing at the top of their game, hasn't seen what the top of their game even looks like. Um, I don't think they have the, the bodies for it, but it's not. I mean, you're right. It can get out of hand very quickly. You saw that in the very first matchup between these two teams, that it was 3 to nothing before the Galaxy came back and... And you know, won that game four to three. You know, they have they have um, you know Diamande, who's now on the team, who has had what he has nine goals in nine games. So you you see a shift that the Galaxy haven't seen. But I'll also say this: the Galaxy won that first game without any designated players, if you'll remember. So the fact that Ramon Alessandrini will be playing in this game, and you know, supposedly Jonathan Dos Santos and, Giov- and Giovanni Dos Santos, I mean, does change the factor a whole bunch because I'll tell you. From the very start of the uh, of the El Tráfico, the very first one, uh, the Galaxy's younger players and the more inexperienced players looked like they were in over their head. I remember Boateng struggling earlier in that game. Um, I can I can remember even guys like Sebastian Lejet struggling early in the game. So there were there were players who seemed like they were out of their depth and who grew into that game. Um, I think you're going to have less of that. And quite honestly, Siggy Schmidt has all the players to choose from that he wants, Kevin, but you and I were talking before we even started recording, is how much focus is there on this LAFC game? Because we both know it's a huge rivalry, but we both know the Galaxy, I'm sure, would love to win it. I mean, there's a bunch of bragging rights that can come through, um, you know, for the LA Galaxy if they were to win this game at Bank of California Stadium. I mean, chief among them, the fact that uh, for at LAFC, uh, at Bank of California Stadium, is that LAFC has not lost a game at uh, Bank of California Stadium. They are undefeated 5-0-4. Uh, the Galaxy could go in there and, and be the first loss ever in LAFC's history at their stadium. I mean, the bragging rights on that would be fairly huge, but the, there's even more than that. They win the game. Uh, the Galaxy win the game, and they get the season series as well, Kevin. They w- would have, have already won that with one game left to go, so they wouldn't have to worry about that. But when you're looking at the balance of things, with the game still on Sunday against a struggling side against Orlando, you know maybe it makes you think about playing two games at once here. The fact is you're tr- probably looking for a draw against LAFC. Um, you know, In the grand scheme of things, a point there is probably great. 
uh, and you get all three points against Orlando, that really helps you go. I mean, we talk about away games versus home games. Um, all that being said, if you beat LAFC, that's six point. It's a six point game. It's a six point swing uh, that really you can have an effect on. Uh, and the Galaxy are, are chasing down right now LAFC in the standings. I mean, fourth in the Western Conference, the Galaxy. LAFC second in the Western Conference. Uh, so the, these teams are, are not separated by that much anymore, Kevin. And, and you have a chance to really close the gap as well on Thursday night, on primetime, you know, national, national TV, on ESPN, all these things that are happening. How, if you're the Galaxy and you know the players are pumped up for it, you know that there's a good old-fashioned hate between these two teams after one game already, how, if you're Siggy Schmidt, do you not release the Hounds and let the Galaxy go for all three points against that? Or, or are you smart enough to keep your, your emotions in check to not, you know, sort of look at both games as things that you need to manage together. All right, well, a ton of stuff there. First of all, don't calm down a little bit. Pump the brakes on the uh, everyone's going to be watching across the country because this game starts at 10.30 on the East Coast, and it's a Thursday night. I just... Uh, I don't see the TV audience being a big, uh, you know, a big thing on either side. But the the whole idea of the, you know, and by the way, I have to say, I, I am not sold on El Trafico. I know that's the name we're using. Everybody loves it. It just seems like we could come up with something better. It seemed like El Trafico was just kind of thrown together Na- before na- the first game. Names are not decided on what is best. It's decided on what gets used, and that's what gets used. It will be this forever. I know people are going to try to change it. It's never changing. That's it. It's over. Everybody should just... That's one of the, like, the, the big things. We didn't ordain this as El Trafico, Kevin. It wasn't you and I in the media. The fans decided, and there's plenty of fans who hate it, by the way, but the fans decided on it. They just started calling it, and that's what it is. It's over. It- what about the LeBron Cup or something, you know? <laughs> no. But it, it, a lot of people were talking about that at at training today. And by the way, I'm I'm absolutely falling in love with Zlatan. I think when you see if you if you watch if you read between the lines, he is a hoot. Um, he's clearly playing a character. He's a little got a little bit of Borat in him, I think. Um, but he's also trying to be very respectful. And so a couple people asked him today whether it was the biggest rivalry he'd ever played in and whether making history by becoming the first team to win at uh, Bank of California Stadium would be a big deal for him. And, um, I mean, come on, let's remember who this is. Yes, the Galaxy is where he's playing now, and there is no question that he's giving his heart and soul to the team. But, I mean, uh, come on, this is the guy who's played in a couple of World Cups. He's played at AC Milan, Barcelona, Manchester United, PSG. Um, He's played in Champions League games. Um, he said all the right things. You know, he said that, you know, that it would be nice to be the first team to win a bank California stadium. Somebody asked him, I, it, it might've been Adam Serrano asked him whether this was the biggest, um, you know, Derby that he's ever played in. And it was real hard for him to even answer that question, although he soldiered through. But one thing that did come through Ziggy was really good talking about how, you know, these two teams share the same city and, uh, everybody with the exceptions a lot time and a couple of others, they live in Hermosa Beach. These guys run into each other all the time. And Ziggy said, I would rather lose to um, uh, my enemy than my friend. Because if I lose to my enemy, he's my enemy. If I lose to my friend, I'm going to see that guy over and over and over again. And he said the last thing he wants is to spend the rest of his year running into John Thorrington and Bob Bradley in Hermosa Beach and having them say what a great effort the Galaxy put in in that game they lost at Bank of California Stadium. So Ziggy's talking about how this means – 
a little bit more maybe to uh, some of the guys that have been around and have a little bit of history. You know, he coached John Thorrington, who's the general manager at LAFC. He coached him with youth national teams. Uh, he's known Bob Bradley for forever, and uh, a lot of these guys are very tight. So this is a game that he wants to win. You know, there's a little bit uh, extra thrown into this, too, that I found out today. I asked Ziggy, because he's talked about how this is a road game, but not really a road game. And so I took that to mean that, you know, they're going to approach it as a home game played at a different venue. Um, you know, players will sleep at home, get up, have breakfast with their family, drive to the game. That's not going to happen. What they, what uh, Ziggy said they're going to do is they're going to gather tomorrow. They're going to spend the night in a hotel. Um, uh, and then they're going to take a bus to the game just as they would any road game. And, he, and there was a couple of reasons for that. He said, we could have gotten together at the Home Depot Center and bust over, but that just didn't seem right. He said, we could have gotten together at the hotel early in the day and just put our feet up and kind of hang around. But that's a lot of dead time. He didn't want to do that. So he wanted to treat this like a regular road game where they get together, have the team meal, have the team meetings. Um, and, and one reason they did that is LAFC would not give the players and staff parking permits, uh, parking uh, place, uh, you know, places to park, meaning that uh, Ziggy did not want uh, Zlatan and, and Allison Drini and the, G- and the Dos Santos brothers looking for a parking spot at a 76 gas station down there in South LA and putting their $20 down and hoping their cars would be there when they come back after the games, all the LAFC players and staff, they have valet parking in a guarded lot. The visiting players apparently do not have anything. So um, as a result of that, LAFC or uh, Galaxy are going to spend the night in a hotel. So they don't have to look for a parking space at a parking uh, at a gas station in South Central on Thursday. I find that it's not surprising. I mean, it's not surprising. You, you could imagine that LAFC is looking for every advantage that they can get, and if other visiting teams don't get it, why would they be friendly uh, with their crosstown rivals? Why would they do it? Uh, you see it in the in the fans and the number of uh, supporters tickets that were given out to each uh, each side, and LAFC only granting a hundred tickets for supporters uh, at the stadium, and LA Galaxy re- replying in kind at the first one there, saying that if you're only going to give a hundred out for that game then we're only going to give you 100. So you can see these little things that are happening back and forth, Kevin, that sort of are little nicks and little little pokes and jabs at each other and saying, hey, Zlatan, uh, you can't take your Volvo uh, and park it, park it in our nice parking lot with our valet parking. If you want to park, you can go park on somebody's lawn um, and maybe your car will be there. Maybe it won't be. So Siggy Schmidt having to pull out the we're going to treat it as any other away game uh, for uh, two stadiums that I think are about eight miles separated, uh, well, which is which is hysterical. There's another thing that, uh, on a lot of the LAFC um, fan uh, social media boards. There's been a lot of complaining. Apparently, there is a a, uh, a a movement. A lot of LAFC fans are selling their tickets on the secondary market. Uh, there's a chance. I, I don't. Th- I mean, that supporter section in the north end zone is going to be like it always is. It's going to be raucous, and that'll be uh, where all you know the 3252, uh, the rabid supporters group for LAFC, that'll be full. But the rest of the stadium, there could be a fairly sizable Galaxy contingent tomorrow and, or Thursday, and that's what Ziggy talked about. That he'd hoped Galaxy fans would get out there. Um, from what I'm seeing, a lot of LAFC fans are are using this game to sort of pay for their season tickets, selling. 
uh, ticket to the galaxy game, uh, which of course, f- you know, goes and flies in the face of what the whole idea of creating a home field advantage is. But we've seen that in LA uh, before with other teams, you know, when the uh, Raiders games always sell out, whether it's the Chargers or the Rams, they sell out with Raiders fans. If you go to a Clippers Golden State Warriors game at the Staples Center, Blake Griffin talked about this when he was still with the Clippers. It feels like a Warriors game. It's packed with Warriors fans. Um, so I, I do think there'll be a sizable contingent of Galaxy fans, despite the fact this is an away game for them. Yeah, and supporters groups have already put out the call for any uh, attending LA Galaxy fans who are there, not as part of the supporters section, to wear white. Uh, I imagine that LAFC has already issued their blackout orders, and so they'll be wearing black. It'll be good versus evil, Kevin, black versus white. It's about as simple as it uh, as it comes whenever the LA Galaxy take on LAFC on uh, on Thursday night, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time at on ESPN. Yes. You know, one, one thing, too, I wanted to say in, in getting away, you know, I didn't want to make it look like I was trashing Ibra too much. I just I just do think we have to keep in mind that um, he was not born in MLS, that he's played in other places and played in some big games. And sometimes asking whether this, the second game ever between LAFC and, and uh, the Galaxy compares with the city Manchester United Derby is a little bit far-fetched, but I will say I was really impressed. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him apart from the group, and behind the microphone, um, Zlatan does play his character, and he has a lot of fun with it, and and that's why we go out to talk to him, but I wanted to get sort of a more serious uh, take on some of these things in the first game, and so um, I got a chance to talk to him one-on-one, and I asked him about that first meeting, and and you know, I said it was one of the you know, greatest games I ever saw. What a great comeback, and 20 minutes, and he, he just turned everything around, and he said that it really was something amazing. He said it was my first 20 minutes in MLS, my first 20 minutes in the Galaxy, and for it to go like that, he said, yeah, I do rank it very high among uh, his career accomplishments, and he said well, that he will always remember it and that it was nice, and, and then we talked a little bit later where he even came even more out of character. And I said, um, you know, if you look back at his history, and we wrote about this, both of us, you and I, after the first game, I think for something like six or eight of the teams he's been with, he scored in the first game. In some of those games, he scored the game-winning goal. Um, it's a, it's an amazing percentage of debuts he's made with major international teams where he scored in his first game and sometimes the game-winning goal. And I said, given your background – when you went on the field, um, you know, it was, did you expect to do that? And he took a long sigh because that was, that, that's his wheelhouse. That's right. where he's going to say God always expects to do that. Right. But he stepped back a little bit and, and really reflected and, and paused for a moment. He said, he started out by saying, I didn't expect. And, and then he paused and he said, he goes, I mean, you have a vision. You try to predict things and have a vision for what scenario you want, but then you need to do it physically. And I said, was it, a, was it a magic moment? And then he got real quiet and very humble, very unzalatan, like unlion-like. And he said, yeah, it, it was. It was a magic moment. He said, every new club, I try to be part of the history to leave a mark when I leave a club uh, so that people have something to look back on. And I focus on that. Um, so, again, it's sort of I'm almost uh, uh, talking against myself. He's had some big moments at some major clubs in Europe. And he talked about playing in some of those derby games there in front of 80,000 people. But then in a quiet moment, he also admitted that, yeah, this debut with the Galaxy was really something that is a special, has a special place in his heart and something that he's going to remember. And maybe, maybe it was because it was a little bit more of a, of a humble thing. It was 25,000 fans instead of 80,000 fans. It was, uh, you know, on e- it was on Fox Sports and not, uh, you know, on Sky Sports around the world. 
Um, but, you know, and there was so much expected of him coming back from the injury and everything else. Um, but he did make it clear, and I, I was glad we had a chance to talk quietly in front of in front of the microphones because I could really see what it meant to him. It, that, that really was a special moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about guys coming into this, and we've seen, you know, guys like David Beckham. Uh, you've seen, like, Robbie Keane and, and Steven Gerrard and even, you know, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos. Uh, and you see Zlatan Ibrahimovic come in and, and approach these things, Kevin. And, and you always, you know, with Steven Gerrard, he always said the right things, but the the heart behind it never seemed like it was fully committed or at least fully there, or maybe the body had already given out and he knew it. Uh, was Zlatan Ibrahimovic just this crazy competitive uh, you know, personality that is one of the harshest critics on the field that you could possibly ever find. Um, apparently is one of the best guys off the field that you could ever find, but it's a guy who seems like he's genuinely happy to be here with the LA Galaxy, uh, and he wants to win. And I think that he sees what's building with between these two teams. And, you know, I know there's lots of talk about this only being two games into a quote-unquote rivalry, um, but you saw it in the first game, and you saw the atmosphere that was in the first game, and you expect that you know on Thursday night the atmosphere will be the same, that it's an electric feeling that, yeah, you're right, it's going to be kicking off at 10.30 on the East Coast, but East Coast people like to stay up late. Um, and between these two teams, that's probably one of those you're like, I'll just be tired on Friday morning when I go into the office. Uh, this is one of those rivalries that has, because of what happened on the field, you know, on March 31st, has grown already in just, you know, 90 minutes of play. And so, you know, you can't expect a result like uh, like what happened on March 31st. You can't expect the spectacular, but you wouldn't be surprised if the spectacular showed up again, Kevin. And you're certainly not going to be surprised that this is one of the most competitive games these two teams will play all season. The three times they face up against each other are elevated to playoff stature and maybe even above playoff stature uh, in terms of the, the want for both these teams to win. And you're talking about a Galaxy team and, quite honestly, an LAFC team, Kevin, that has no real history with the club. I mean, look at some of the most tenured players on the LA Galaxy is Bradford Jameson uh, or Baggio Husidic. But outside of that, you have guys who have joined the club in the last two years, three years, or even you know in the last year. Um, and the same with LAFC. They didn't have a club before the season. So you have these guys who are preaching loyalty to a badge that really they haven't had a bunch of time with, but they understand the magnitude that is coming from a game like this, and they understand the importance that it plays in their success or how they're viewed in the success of that team over the season. And it's only a Thursday night game, Kevin, and the, and the Galaxy have a Sunday game. But it's still, it's going to matter more than that Sunday game. Everybody knows that. And I think Siggy Schmidt even now feels that and you, and with his comments. And I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic, granted he's played in front of 80 or 90,000 people in some of the biggest rivalries the world has ever seen, and there's tons of history behind it. But I think he still understands that there's something special that's happening between these two teams. And, and he's, I, I think he's happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I do too. Um, th we talked about this before. He's not here for the money. I still haven't figured out why he's here, <laughs> um, whether it's an extra itch that he has to scratch or he just wants to prove that he he can still do it and he wasn't going to get that chance given his price tag and his injury situation in Manchester. I think there's a sponsorship deal going on somewhere. Clearly, he's having a good time. 
you know, we saw the pictures of him rollerblading out in Venice, which I'm sure gave Chris Klein a heart attack. But um, roller skating, Kevin, roller skating. There's a big difference between roller skating and rollerblading. Ibra had the old four wheels on and and he was eating an ice cream cone while he was doing it. That's that's legend status there. But, you know, he was a very good youth hockey player, so he can definitely skate on the blades, too. I, I imagine he can. Absolutely. No, but but you're right. I mean, you, why? Why is Ibrahimovic here if not to just be here and and maybe cement his legacy in the in the history books of Major League Soccer and soccer in the United States. I mean, we've seen a an unbelievable growth in this league over the last probably even ten years. Um, you know, the fact that LAFC comes in and is you know a, a quote unquote successful club in terms of being competitive from the very beginning is certainly something that you know has to worry the LA Galaxy. And now you you get Zlatan involved in this. I mean. Lots of things have had to line up for this to be as competitive of a match as it was. In fact, just three or four games ago, you would think that the Galaxy would be severe underdogs, but with their turn of form at least, um, you look at these teams as, as a lot more equal than maybe they were just, uh, just two, three weeks ago. Yeah, well, you know, the Galaxy now is the second hottest team in MLS behind Portland. They're, Portland's just unreal. LAFC, I think they've, uh, what, lost one of their last seven they're among the hottest teams. I mean, these two teams are meeting at a great time for this rivalry. And, you know, Ziggy, again, we talked about how Ziggy, the rivalry might, I don't want to say it means a little bit more to him, but he he's aware that he's going to have to share the neighborhood with the guys he's going against. Um, and he talked about that first game, too. I mean, um, uh, I'm just looking for, uh, for what he said. It was pretty interesting when he talked about, oh, he said the first derby had everything you'd want in a game like that. It had intrigue. It had disappointment. It had ecstasy. It had everything. He said our team, meaning the Galaxy, went through every emotion in that game from being down and not playing well to winning the game. And I think their team went through every emotion from playing well and having a lead to losing. He said those are the things that make that game special. Yeah, And that, that was a special game. I mean, people were talking uh, maybe a little uh, hyperbole, but um, it, that's how it felt at the time. I, I remember the next morning on MLS on the MLS website, people were openly debating what it, whether it was the greatest game in MLS history or not. Yeah, I mean, we and we've talked about it a bunch on this show. It was not the best game the LA Galaxy ever played, but it was probably one of the most entertaining matches. In fact, I don't know that there was a more entertaining match. I've seen bigger matches. I've seen better matches. I've seen matches where the Galaxy uh, certainly didn't deserve to win and they won, and I've seen games that they've deserved to uh, win and they've lost, and I've seen MLS Cups there. I've seen all sorts of things, but in terms of pure entertainment, most entertaining thing I've ever seen. Atmosphere-wise... Uh, the ridiculousness of, of the eventual outcome, all of those things wrapped in. And, and again, that all leads into what's going to happen on Thursday night. We can't disconnect those things. Everybody wants to what? talk about this as, as not a rivalry or not a derby and, and all these different... And, and you go back and look at what it was on March 31st, and it was something that was way different than a regular season game. Right, and if it had ended 3-1 to one, or even 3-2, to two, in other words, without the twos, a lot of goals, th this... The atmosphere for this rematch is totally different. Ziggy said another thing, too. I asked him whether when he sent Zebra uh, Ibra in, um, you know, did he expect that? And his answer was really good. He said, well, you didn't expect it. It's not like you planned it. He said, but when it happened, it was like, okay, well, it makes sense. He does things like that. Yeah, I know. Right. But, which, is, which is a crazy thing just all, all on its own. But he, he's right. 
You just didn't, <laughs> the guy, they just did, uh, I don't know if everybody's seen it, I don't know if you've seen it, Kevin, but uh, Major League Soccer put out, uh, you know, somebody called it an NFL film style, it wasn't exactly in that style, but uh, an NFL film style sort of look back at that game, and they had players and coaches um, from both sides, and you, you sort of heard a little bit of uh, of humor from Siggy Schmidt, because I, I guess Siggy Schmidt has this rule that whenever you come into the, the team, that you either get to sing a song about yourself, or uh, you can tell a joke, right? Those are the things that you can do to sort of introduce yourself. And so um, so it was one of those things where uh, where Ibra uh, went up and said, you know, he stood up in front of the entire team. He says, do you believe in God, right? And uh, and everybody stood around and said, yeah, yeah, well, you know, we believe in God. He goes, good, then you believe in me, right? You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And you're laughing, and Ibra scores that game winner, uh, and Siggy Schmidt turns around to Dominic Kinnear and he goes, "Do you believe in God?" Uh. Right? You know, I mean, it's it's that type of moment, and it's it's the 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 unscripted nature of something that if you would have scripted it, Kevin, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it's those things that you sit there and go, "Nah, come on, that's a little far fetched to even sell the Hollywood." But that's what you got from this, and you got a superstar who was listed among the best players in the world over the last you know ten years, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who now plays for. What is a uh, in in the world grand scheme of things not a very big league, um, and he comes in and he does amazing things, and and that's I mean quite honestly you don't expect it to happen again whenever they go to Bank of California Stadium, but you wouldn't be surprised if it happened again. No, this time it might be Laurent Simon scoring, but but um, the the thing that made it really special too is for me is if you remember when Zlatan came in off the bench, he had all the grace of a newborn giraffe, and his first touch was horrible, which is why he took that long shot, by the way. He, he didn't think he could run 40 yards to goal, so he took the shot, the volley shot from there. If it had been his third or fourth game and he had already started and done a bunch of things and maybe scored a goal or maybe didn't score, um, but the fact that it was his debut, that it got off to such an inauspicious start, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's one of those things that, it's still hard three months later. It's still really hard to believe that it all unfolded that way. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it, would, it just unfolded too perfectly. It's almost like, you know, if, if that was the Hollywood script, you would turn it down. But on the other hand, you would say it is pretty compelling this way. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, all the stars had to align. Pontius had to get that goal. Um, Legit had we, to score. Yep. I was talking to Pontius about that today, and I told him I'm sitting in the press box, and I'm writing my story. LAFC dominant team in LA comes in, you know, blows out LA uh, Galaxy three nothing. Oh, there's a legit goal. Okay, well, blew out LA, blew out the LA Galaxy three to one, and they're still the best team. And then Pontius scored the goal, and that's when it was like, hey, wait a minute, this is getting pretty interesting. And both Ziggy and Pontius both told me they said. Um, when it got to 3-3 on the on the Zlatan volley goal, they were like, okay, that's it. I mean, that's the best we can hope for. Right. Um, that's a fair result. They outplayed us in the first half. We outplayed them in the second half. We came all the way back, dug out of that hole. We're going to get a point at home. Everybody's happy. Ziggy's happy. Pontius said the team was happy. Um, uh and then they and and then they get the winning goal and take all three points and that's when that's when that's like you said that was the moment where it's, do you believe in God? <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, and I think uh, if you saw all that and it all played out in front of you, I think you do. I think you do. Uh, LAFC coming in a little uh, 
a little stutter step on their way in to, uh, to host the LA Galaxy on Thursday. Uh, went off to Minnesota, Kevin, uh, one of the worst places in the world to play a soccer game um, because of the turf there, and the Galaxy are certainly well aware that Baggio Sidic got injured uh, whenever he played there, uh, broke his leg. Uh, Yellow Von Dom actually got injured on that turf as well. I think there might have been another Galaxy player who also got injured that game, uh, just nobody as severe as Baggio Sidic. But LAFC went up there, uh, didn't travel uh, Carlos Vela. He, he, he didn't make the, make the uh, travel at all. I think uh, Bob Bradley was resting him, um, but they went up there and uh, and got smacked around by Minnesota five to one. Um, you know, in your turn, in terms of what you've seen from LAFC this year and sort of how things have gone, is, is there any effect, uh, or was Bob Bradley clearly focused on this game on Thursday and uh, Minnesota wasn't that as an important game for him? Well, I don't think he's going to say that. I do think that the turf did play a little bit, and I think it was probably wise to rest Fella. Um, again, so many attacking options that you can afford to rest one of your big guys. Um, Horta, I don't believe, played in that game either. But what really stood out to me is just how disorganized the defense looked, especially in the middle. They they looked terrible. Uh, it looked for a while as if they were really trying to make some sort of offside trap work, and it was a disaster. Uh, you saw a lot of, uh, as Minnesota was pushing forward, you saw a lot of the back of the jerseys of uh, the LAFC center backs um, and, uh, uh, you know, um, um, oh God, why can't I remember the name of the guy they, they traded for from Dallas, their, uh, Laurent Simon partner there in central midfield. Um, he did not start either, did not play. And he's had, uh, uh leg problems for a while. And I wonder if that is, uh, whether he was injured and they just decided to keep him off the turf as well, because normally he would have been in there, but it was, it was, uh, Bob Bradley said afterwards that it was a poor mental effort. Um, it was certainly a poor effort. I don't know if you blame it all on the mental, right. um, but it, it was not a good performance from LAFC. They clearly, I don't know whether they were resting for the Galaxy because they don't have near, remember the Galaxy are playing three games in eight days. Now the, Gal, the LAFC did have that open cup game, but they're off for a week after, uh, they're off for I think seven days after, or eight days after this game. Uh, with the Galaxy. So they have some time to rest and get healthy. But, you know, Diamandi didn't start in that right. game. He came in in the second half, didn't start on the turf. Vela, as you said, didn't make the trip. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, of. I was, I was going to, uh, I had it, I was waiting for you to break. I was going to give it yeah. to you, Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, he, you know, was not out there. So they did make some lineup changes um, that were different from the way that they played uh, regularly. But I, and I, I think that was more a concession to the turf and not the schedule and not the opponent. Uh, and it just backfired on them. Yeah, it seems to. Again, a 5-1 loss for LAFC coming in. Um, the LA Galaxy on a three-game winning streak, seven-game unbeaten streak. Um, so, you know, the last time the Galaxy actually lost a game, Kevin, was back in May, end of May, 530, uh, versus Dallas. That's an MLS regular season. We don't count the Open Cup in, in, in those stats there. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of stuff to sort of take in about whether or not this LA Galaxy team has indeed taken steps forward. We've seen them beat up on some poor, um, you know, some poor uh, uh, opponents, really. Uh, Philadelphia was not a good team, and, you know, Jim Curtin afterwards said that one hurt. I don't know why it hurt any more than any of the other ones. Granted, you're up one nothing, But uh, they didn't seem competitive in the second half, so that was sort of interesting to see that. So did the Galaxy actually take step forwards? That's, that's what we're looking at because, you know, they struggled against DC United. They struggled against San Jose, and everybody wants to point out where the Galaxy would be uh, right now with four more points. Well, with four more points, they would be uh, tied with LAFC right now for second place in the Western Conference. Um, so, yeah, you, you look at that, but they didn't play great against New England but ended up getting, you know, stealing a win 
they played very good against Columbus. I think maybe one of their most complete performances of the year, and that was probably only 65 or 70 minutes. Uh, you know, how'd they play against Philadelphia? Well, it was a good 45 minutes. It was pretty poor 45 minutes as well. So where is this Galaxy team as you look in the Western Conference? And, you know, I, I think that they're clearly in the top six in the Western Conference. I feel confident in that assessment, uh, even with Minnesota's recent surge and, and Darwin Quintero uh, out there scoring crazy amounts of goals all over the place. So I still think they're top six in the Western Conference, but are they a top four? They're in fourth place right now. Um, are they a top three team? Could they be better than, you know, an LAFC or an FC Dallas? I mean, you're really starting to stretch in terms of where you think the Galaxy are. But heading into this LAFC game, you have to feel, if you're a Galaxy fan, much better than you did, again, you know, three or four weeks ago whenever the Galaxy were dropping points to DC United and San Jose. So trying to figure out where they land. Figuring out this Western Conference opponent, you know, the six-point match, you know, taking, keeping three points from LAFC, gaining three points if you win the game, winning all these bragging rights that we talked about. I mean, all these things factor in, and then you have a struggling Orlando team that you can't afford to lose to at home, Kevin. So, I mean, where really is the focus here? We've talked so much about this game on Thursday being special, but... MLS did them no favors by scheduling this on a Thursday night in the middle of the week with, you know, really no time to rest on either side of it. Right. And, and Ziggy talked about that you don't regu regularly see the the Thursday, uh, Sunday turnaround. And, you know, two of these, this is the, the, the L.A. Derby. This is the second largest TV market in the country. This is the market Don Garber talks about wanting to be in a vibrant market, two-team market, all the things he says, and they schedule – two of the three derbies at night on a weekday. Yeah, it makes uh, no sense. It, yeah, and I mean, uh, it, it. first of all, Thursday is not a good night to go to South Central LA uh, under any circumstances. And that's just, and, and I'm not I'm not talking about crime or anything else. I'm just, it's a hard place to get to on a Thursday night. Uh, traffic, you know, at that time of night, people leaving, all the freeways are congested. Uh, there is, it, it, there is tough parking. There are other obstacles. But, but even Friday, going to Carson and then playing these games where, again, people across the country will not be able to watch those. Why isn't it on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon? Why isn't it one of the you know the, the top games promoted uh, on MLS? Again, two of the best teams in the league, arguably the you know the one of the biggest names in the league, if not the biggest, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, maybe the deepest team outside Atlanta, certainly at LAFC. This is a game that they should be showcasing. And instead, one's on a Thursday where even people in L.A. can't see it. One's on a Friday where people in the rest of the country aren't going to see it. By the way, Ziggy did. Ziggy was on fire today. Another thing he talked about the game, he said uh, about the rematch, we talked about, you know, like you're talking about what to expect. And he said, if you don't have a ticket, you got to make sure you buy a TV. <laughs> yeah. Or, or YouTube, I guess, in this case, with LAFC. Well, no, because it's ESPN. It's a nationally televised okay. game. So so everybody gets to see it. That's what somebody on uh, one of the chat rooms was saying. Hey, you know, I need to get YouTube. No, you don't need YouTube TV. You can just watch it. ESPN uh, has the game, um, and it's where you can find it. 7.30 p.m. is the kickoff time. LA Galaxy versus LAFC, uh, the first time ever at Bank of California Stadium for the El Trafico. This, this game eventually, Kevin, in my mind, gets moved to the brand-new stadium uh, that the Rams and uh, Chargers will just call. The Rams are building uh, down uh, down a little bit further south, so I, I think that eventually you get seventy or eighty thousand people at that stadium for these derby games uh, instead of uh, you know the small small numbers you're going to get on Thursday night. But it's still it's it's super interesting. I I have no idea how it's going to turn out because I really don't know 
you know, where Siggy Schmidt's head is at. I can see him being non-emotional about it, Kevin, and saying Orlando is the more important game to win in terms of playing at home, getting three points, all these things that sort of happen. But you can't, in a rivalry game, there's no predicting any of that. And I, I it's it's hard. I would say that uh, if I'm betting that LAFC win this game, I think that the uh, just the emotional... Uh, stress that they went through after the last game uh, gives them enough ammunition to be able to, you know, really floor the LA Galaxy in this game. And I'm sure there's some pent up aggression, and they've and they've had to hear now about the uh, the come from behind uh, win the Galaxy have had over LAFC as being one of the uh, quote unquote best games in Major League Soccer history. And if they have to deal with that, Kevin, then I'm sure there's some pent up frustration. They're also in front of their home fans. They're at their home stadium. Uh, all these things sort of line up to the fact that LAFC probably has some pent-up anger, and then you can throw all that right out the window because whenever it comes to rivalry games, whenever it comes to any of this stuff, how can you possibly predict an outcome? Um, you saw the LA Galaxy game, uh, a 4-3 win over LAFC the first time. I, I don't know how you try to predict the second game. Well, one thing is they're, it, they're not going to be surprised by Zalatan. Neither team is going to be surprised by what the other one does. Remember, they were only, I think, four games into the season the first time they played both sort of trying to feel their way out, feel their way around. Um, you know, the emotion of the first derby might have caught a few people by surprise because um, there are some people on both sides that have, you know, history in L.A., but uh, they remember probably Chivas uh, Galaxy, and it wasn't it wasn't ever like this. So th- that was a little different. They're not going to be surprised. I do think that, that LAFC does have, you know, their turf to defend, and I do feel like I don't want to say they were embarrassed. They have no right to be embarrassed about that game. They played a great game. And I was talking to some people today at, at training, and they disagreed with me. I've watched that Zlatan goal like everyone else a million times. I'm not so sure Tyler Miller did a whole lot wrong. Um, yes, he was way off his line, but the ball had just come – was on seconds earlier was on the other side of the midfield strike. What's he supposed to do? You know, do pull-ups on the, on the, on the goalpost? Yes. Uh, you know, he was out a little bit far – but yeah, I mean, a, a, a long ball had come in. It had bounced past Ola Kamara. It was a hot day. There's a very good chance that it could have gotten away and that Tyler Miller might have had to scramble even outside the box to try to get it. Uh, I think he was in the right position. Um, Chris Pontius said, nobody expects anyone to shoot from there. He said, but Zalatan thinks differently than most people. You know, he was kind of coming to Tyler Miller's defense a little bit too. It's like Tyler Miller can't think, oh my God, the guy's, 40 yards away, he's going to shoot. You know, maybe two people in the world, David Beckham and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, try that shot, or Carly Lloyd perhaps. Yeah. Uh, try that shot. By the way, when you look at the Carly Lloyd goal, totally different situation. That goalie was way off, tripped over her own feet, backpedaling, everything. The Japanese goalie did everything wrong in that. I, I have a hard time. I'm going to talk to Tyler Miller tomorrow. I, I hope to talk to him. I want to ask him for his thoughts. But when I watch that, I, I'm not so sure that you can – yes, you can say in retrospect he should have been a few yards deeper and he would have made the stop. But um, even so, watch where the ball goes. Even if he's standing on the line, I'm not sure if he gets to that ball. It was so perfectly placed. Yeah, it was. No, I mean, I disagree with you a little bit only on the fact that there's no reason to be embarrassed. If you're up 3 nothing with 30 minutes left to go and your uh, your your fans are olaying in the stadium, uh, you shouldn't lose that game 4-3. to three. 
Um, there were some great goals. There was some great stuff. But I think if you're LAFC, you think that you're up 3 nothing, you should win it. Just as Galaxy fans are still upset that they didn't beat DC United or San Jose with two goal leads on both of those. So, I mean, yeah, there is. There is some embarrassment. I imagine players' pride comes into it. I'm not saying that, you know, that they should be embarrassed by their effort. They're not. But it, it's an embarrassment when you're up 3 nothing with 30 minutes to go and you lose. I think Galaxy fans would feel it. I'm sure LAFC fans feel it. I'm sure LAFC fans were would very much like to win big against the Galaxy so that they don't have to hear about the 4-3 game anymore. And I'm sure Galaxy fans want to watch the Galaxy go out there and steal the hearts and minds of souls of the LAFC team and show them that, you know, anytime they come up against the Galaxy, they, they're never going to win. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's what you're getting to at this point in terms of the motivation for this game. It is that serious, I think, on terms of the fans, and I think the players understand it too, that there's a mental edge to be gained here, Kevin, if the Galaxy can go into Bank of California Stadium, get the first win there from an opposing team, and also take the season series against LAFC. If these teams meet in the playoffs, which right now they very well could, um, if they meet in the playoffs, you're, if you're the Galaxy, you want to have that mental edge. It kind of almost doesn't matter what the third game is, but these first two games to have won those will be huge in a playoff situation against these two teams, I think. Well, there's playoff implications just in the standings. I mean, the Galaxy are coming. LAFC is, you know, in second place, and that's the, this, the last position where you don't have to play one of those playoff games. The Galaxy are coming. I mean, you know, if, if the Galaxy win the season series and – the playoff race comes down to one or two points. That's where they got those points. You know, in the Derby, they play three times. It's nine points at stake, and they've, they're already up 3-0. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's very interesting. Let's get to, uh, I have a call, and I have an email, and then let's close out the show with that. So here is uh, Michael from Whittier talking about the game against Philadelphia and looking a little bit ahead to LAFC. Good morning, Corner of the Galaxy. This is Michael from Whittier. I just wanted to call in and give my thoughts on last night's game. I'm extremely happy with the three points that we earned in Philadelphia. I want to start with Michael Ciani. He was a little bit of a surprise tonight or last night. He had a good game. And it's funny because every time I'm ready to write him off as complete garbage and a waste of a, you know, international slot and, and, and Tam and whatnot, he goes off and has a good game. I, even so, I, I think that his inconsistency still warrants, you know, the signing of a new center back to replace him in the starting lineup. The other thing is we need a backup for Ashley Cole. Dave Romney is serviceable, but he himself has said he's not a fullback. He's a center back. His playing style and physique suggests that he's a center back. So we need a, a backup to Ashley Cole at left back or left wing back. And as, as excited and happy as I am of Galaxy's recent form, uh, I do have an unpopular opinion. You know, we, we need to be prepared for LAFC. They are a good team, like it or not. I hate to admit it. They are a good team. They have a great coach. It's just we have to caution ourselves going in. You know, Diamande, Rossi, and Vela will make us pay if we give them any looks like Philadelphia and New England had in the previous uh, few games. So I just want to, you know, caution everyone and, and make sure that we don't get ahead of ourselves. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, Michael and Whittier. Kevin, anything uh, that you uh, you picked up there? Not really. 
okay. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a lot of stuff that we had talked about already. Uh, certainly, I think he's right in terms of uh, of LAFC being sort of... Uh, had, they definitely have the ability to run up the score in the Galaxy if they if they want to, um, and if they can get on the outsides of that defense. I really think the defense of... We, we, listen, I'm not telling anybody that stuff they don't know, Kevin. Uh, the LA Galaxy defense is their weakest link, um, and so it depends on how they play is how this game will go, and they struggled in the first game against them. Um, I expect that it will be a serious task on the night in order to try and uh, and and see these guys play um, on Thursday night and try to keep everybody in check, and uh, Diamande is certainly one of those guys with his speed and his ability to score goals is going to be a, a different look than they got in the first LAFC game, um, so it'll be a, a completely sort of different look uh, in terms of how they uh, how they defend and how the LA Galaxy attack. But attacking on the counter seems to work very well for them. The Galaxy are not a possession-based team. I expect LAFC will have the possession. I expect that they will see it. Um, and other than that, Michael, I, uh, I, I, I think I already gave my thoughts on Siani, which is I didn't think he played that great. Uh, he played better, which is certainly nice, but you're you're absolutely right. There's still uh, some inconsistencies there and probably still an upgrade needed uh, as far as that goes. All right. Anything else? Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Let's get to this last email. Um, this one's about Ramon Alessandrini. You and I talked about it a little bit, Kevin, but let's uh, close it out on this. This is from Alex, and Alex says, uh, it seems like Siggy has been rotating players based on midweek games. If you look at the pattern of the lineups the last few games, especially with Ramon, do you think Alessandrini is being implemented as a super sub, or is it just Siggy trying to keep the team fresh? Kevin, you talked about it. And Siggy Schmidt said it after the Philadelphia game. He says, and I quote, he said, Roman is not a sub. He's a starter on this team. This is one of the few times we had all of our guys on the pitch. I consider Roman Alessandrini a starter. Uh, so does Roman Alessandrini get the start against LAFC, Kevin? Well, he repeated he repeated that again, that Roman Alessandrini is a starter. But now we got Sebastian Legette coming back. you got to get him in there at some point. Uh, the two Dos Santos brothers both play in the midfield as well. There is a competition for those starting spots. I, I don't pretend to know what Ziggy's thinking, and I, I take him at his word that Roman Alessandrini is not a sub, and he's not. But when the guy comes off the bench and has that immediate an impact, I mean, there's a difference between Roman Alessandrini and Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon was a guy who came off the bench and changed games, and that was his role, and he accepted that. Once upon a time, he was a 90-minute player. By the time he got to the Galaxy the second time, he wasn't, and he accepted that. Roman Alessandrini is not accepting that, for better or for worse. He wants to be a player, and that's what makes him good. But if you're Ziggy Smith and you said, hey, we bring this guy off the bench and we win, um, i got to pick a midfielder. i got to get Sebastian in there. Or should I put Sebastian on the bench? Can he affect the game? And remember, even when um, Roman was a starter, he was a 60-minute guy for the most part, wasn't he? I mean, he, I know he played some full games, but he was a guy that chafed when Ziggy brought him out yes. early but would bring him out around the 60th minute. Um, so I, I don't want to predict a role for him. I, 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 all I can say is, yes, he's a starter, but wow, he's really effective coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, that is sort of the thing. This is the same guy, Kevin, you and I commented on who would kick water bottles whenever he came off the field. Um, and Siggy would pull him in the 65th or 70th minute. Um, so all those things take an effect on, you know, on Roman Alessandrini and how he's viewed by Siggy and how he views himself. Uh, again, if he's angry and still performing and he can maintain that level of anger and you don't burn him out on the anger, I think it works. I think the big difference here in this starting lineup against LAFC um, is going to be Ashley Cole and Ashley Cole's positioning. And if Ashley Cole is going to be that swing guy who's able to drop back and play the four-man back line or drop into the midfield uh, in the attack and sort of help help the LA 
Galaxy Attack on the left-hand side. If you're going to give Ashley Cole that task, then there's only room enough for either Chris Pontius or Ramon Alessandrini, and I'm fine with starting either of those guys. Uh, Alessandrini gives you more of an impact off the off the bench, Kevin, you said it, and everybody else said it. I mean, if you're looking at the guy who who can affect the flow of the game it, coming off the bench, it's Alessandrini more than it is uh, Chris Pontius, his speed but, but and his technical ability. Yeah. Alessandrini has proven a super effective off the bench. And as you said, there may be a little bit of gamesmanship on Ziggy's part saying, look, we want you to play defense. Show me you can play defense and you'll get a start. If, in fact, that's going on, and I don't, we don't know that it is, correct? Right. Um, but if, in fact, that's going on, it's a very fine line to walk because Alessandrini is going to come back and say, you want me to play defense? I'm playing defense, damn it. You want me to, to come off and affect the game and, and play the role you want me to do? I'm doing I'm doing everything you're asking me. And what I'm asking you for in return is a chance to start, and you're not giving it to me. Yep. So screw you. I'm not doing this anymore. Yep, no, you're absolutely right. You you burn out eventually. And the anger only lasts for so long until, until it's you know resignation. Um, and you lose the ability to influence and, and power. Yeah, um, he's going to say, what, I'll play defense and I score four goals and I'm back on the bench next week. Forget it. I'm yeah, not going to work that hard. Yeah, exactly. I'll go somewhere where I can start and score four goals and you will, a whole deal. No, you're right. It is super fine line. It's interesting if Siggy is playing at that or if he's managing you know, Ramon Alessandrini's minutes. If anybody needs their minutes managed, it is Ramon. The guy runs himself into the ground. He doesn't know stop, which is great for a player but makes it difficult for a manager to get a consistent starter every single time and a guy who can depend on through 34 games plus of, you know, an MLS season. And so far, I mean, you know, Allison Drini was injured at the beginning of the year. You didn't see him play in the last LAFC game. Um, you know, you have a guy who has been staying healthy, who is getting consistent minutes. And by the way, uh, at the beginning of the year when he was struggling, he's not struggling anymore and he's providing assists and he's scoring goals. I mean, all these things have happened since he's sort of been coming off the bench. So you look at Roman Allison Drini and you say, Hey, dude, I know you're not, you don't like it as a sub, but look at the success you're having and we're able to use you. Now, is it the most effective form of using designated player money is a different question, but if it works for the LA Galaxy, if they're surging up the standings right now, if the seven-game unbeaten streak is in large part because of Siggy's management of both the formation, the players who are coming back, the players who are starting, and the players who are coming off the bench, then how do you change things going into LAFC? Don't, don't get hung up on the designated player salary. That's a front office thing. Ziggy has a roster to manage. And his job is to get results. And if the best thing for the designated player to do is to fill the water bottles on the bench and that helps the team win, that's the best use. Now, maybe the front office made a mistake in giving the water bottle guy the DP money, but that's not Ziggy's problem. Ziggy's problem is to get the best out of the roster that he's given. Now, you can people are probably wondering, well, why doesn't Ziggy just sit down with Ramon and say, this is what we're thinking. We're thinking right now you're effective off the bench. We want you to play defense. You're doing a great job. We're super happy with you. But as I just told the media, I have 15 starters and 11 starting spots. And this is your role. And and my God, look, look, Ramon, we're winning. You're the reason we're winning. And just kind of pump them up that way a little bit. Why not sit down and have that conversation? Well, um, you know, maybe Z Ziggy had that uh, that kind of relationship with a lot of players like Chad Marshall. I don't know if he ever had it with necessarily with a Clint Dempsey. He may not have that relationship with Ramon Alessandrini. Maybe one. Two, he may not want to pull back on that fire. Uh, he right. may not want to explain it to, to Roman. He may want Roman guessing a little bit, and especially in training where Ziggy has talked, and Bob Bradley talks about this too, that a lot of times you fill out a roster with, with good players and you say, geez, you got six midfielders. You really don't need six midfielders. In training you do. So he wants these guys competing in training. And if he lets the cat out of the bag, if he tells Roman, look, no matter what you do in training, this is your role. 
whatever it might be, you're going to start or you're not going to start or you've earned your job back. If he tells them that in training, then Ramon goes out and then just kind of walks through the training session. You've lost that edge that you want. So again, um, Ziggy is in a, I don't want to say he's in a tough spot, but he definitely needs to, to pull all that experience he's had over all these years as a winning coach and use it here because it is a little bit of a delicate situation. You do not want to pull back on Roman Alessandrini's fire, but you don't want to turn that fire into a smoldering, I don't want to say hatred, but into, you, don't, you don't want him stewing either. Uh, it's a very uh, difficult situation for a coach to be in. And these are the kind of things that send a team on a run and send a team into a tailspin if you don't handle it exactly the right way. Yeah, it's a lot of things. And I will argue, by the way, that being a designated player does matter in Major League Soccer. It's one of the reasons Giovanni Dos Santos continues to start, despite the fact that he's done uh, relatively little for the LA Galaxy over the last couple of years. So it does matter. It doesn't matter how much you're paying people. Um, but you're right that it is just a designation on the field and that it shouldn't matter. I, I agree with you. I like the idea of what you say. I just don't think it's practiced a lot in Major League Soccer. Well, I, I think I think it should be. Your best 11 players should be on the field, and you shouldn't say, well, I really like this guy, but this guy's making a little bit more money, so he gets the start, and then he gives up the winning goal. I mean, that doesn't help you. Your goal is to win games, and if you, if, if you do what the Galaxy did last year and play LA Galaxy 2 on the big field at StubHub and you win – then you look great. Um, it didn't work out so well, but I understand that y- you know you got to give your DPs a chance, and all things being equal. But sometimes things aren't equal. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes Michael Ciani should sit on the bench, and and Hilliard Arce should play. I'm not saying that right. that's what I do right now, but I'm just saying that you can't say, oh, this guy starts because he makes six hundred thousand, and we lose because the six hundred thousand guy is not as good as the two hundred thousand guy. That's a front office problem. That's not a coaching problem. In a, in a perfect world, and by the way, I've heard people in the front office explain it just that way. Uh, in a perfect world, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying that uh, Major League Soccer and especially the Galaxy aren't always a perfect world. So no, uh, I agree with you hundred percent on that. All right, uh, anything else, Kevin? You want to get to before we get out of here? Nope, got to get to the medicine chest. All right, so time to reload those meds. All right, if you're looking for Mister Kevin Baxter, you of course can find him at the LA Times and at kbaxter11 on Twitter, at kbaxter11, follow him there, latimes.com, where Kevin does a great job of covering soccer in Southern California, including all of his World Cup coverage, which he is still recovering from. See the things that he puts his body through for good soccer coverage. Uh, go look for him at the latimes.com, especially this week, lots of coverage there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Larry Morgan just put up his LA Galaxy notebook with complete injury updates on all those fun things, so check that out, uh, including talking about Allison Drini not starting and, uh, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic in there as well, so check it out. Cornerofthegalaxy.com, click the shop button for those three t-shirts and again panda and pato uh, t-shirts on their way very shortly all right for mr kevin baxter i'm josh guessman you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com la galaxy travel to bank of california stadium on thursday july 26 7 30 p.m kickoff time on espn against lafc should be a lot of fun all right uh for mr kevin baxter i'm josh guessman you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, 
head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.